The views expressed on this podcast represent only those of the hosts and do not represent the views of the Student National Medical Association. Why join the SNMA? For more than 50 years, SNMA has been the leading organization in promoting increased enrollment and retention of minority medical students. Our signature pipeline programs are designed to ensure that future generations of medical graduates are not only diverse, but culturally competent. SNMA offers many benefits, such as leadership opportunities, scholarships, research opportunities, test prep, and so much more. Become a part of the nation's oldest and largest independent student-run organization and help to continue diversifying the face of medicine. For more information, go to https semicolon slash slash snma.org dash page dash join us <laughs> yeah y'all already know what the vibes is y'all just type in sma in google i don't even have to say that all that but type sma join you'll get there get to the page join us we need you let's galvanize the truth let's go Welcome to SNMA Presents The Lounge. Whether you're in the student lounge, doctor's lounge, or lounging around at home, get ready to join SNMA for meaningful conversations on topics affecting minorities in medicine and groups that often sit at the margins of healthcare. I'm student Dr. Isabella, and it is back to school season for some of us, most of us, who knows. Um, but our icebreaker for today is what is you guys' most memorable moment during this time growing up? So I can start. Um, I would say growing up, so I kind of, like, I grew up in northern New Jersey, lived in your typical suburban area, and I ha- I've had the fortune of being close to, like, my elementary school, middle school, like, walking distance close. Mm-hmm. And every year at my elementary school, they had a, um, it was like a school fair that they would have, and I went, like, every year as a kid, um, and I even went a little bit as a middle schooler because, you know, like at that point in time, I could walk there if I wanted to. And then like sometimes you could see like older kids there and like maybe there was a guy you thought was cute. You wanted to like come around like whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just cute because they had like little, you know, fun fair games and like they had like food that they were selling. And it was just like it, you just kind of knew that fall was here because they typically started it like sometime around mid-September. So it kind of, to me, was like an introduction, like, oh, yeah, we're moving from summer to fall. And just that nostalgia that it is so it was associated with. So, yeah, that was my favorite memory growing up during fall. What about you guys? Well, I would say for me, um, it's Dr. Who are you? Yeah, okay, I was going to say, right. oh, my gosh, she's <laughs> pressing already. So all the way back home, whatever you call me. You so didn't sound like you was going to introduce yourself. I was like, make sure you let the people know who you are. <laughs> I mean, we like 500 episodes in. We I'm are. But, this could, but this could be somebody's yeah. first episode. They could just That's be true. tuned and be like, hey, this is my first episode. Who is this guy? Okay. That's true. You're right. You're right. All right. You got it. I'll let you win this one for now. Uh <laughs> Now, honestly, I would say my most memorable moments was um, during this time was, you know, um, getting up and, you know, seeing my mom grind and, you know, walk Mm -hmm. me to the actual bus stop um, and having those very intimate and close um, conversations before I got to school, how firm she was and reminded Mm -hmm. me how powerful I was and why education was necessary. And I think a lot of those conversations helped me to get to my current position because, you know, where I live at. Most most individuals haven't attained the same level of educational attainment that I did. So she created right. a sense of protection and um, guidance for me. 
And when I was able to get on that bus, I was like, I'm going to conquer today. I'm going to make my mom proud. And to this day, those same emotions um, fill me up to be able to do that. And I hope I'm continuing to do that. So I'll say, yeah, that's probably my most memorable moment. Beautiful. This is Erica and Erica Dingle. (laughs) Hey, hey. My most memorable moment for at least elementary, junior high, and even high school, honestly, was back to school shopping with my mom. Mm -hmm. Um, We would go on Jamaica Ave in Queens, New York. We'd hit up all the stores, cookies, Wertheimers, VIM. Oh, yeah. Go back. Go. Yeah, we'd we'd get to shopping and, you know, just blessed and highly favored (laughs) that my mother would not really tell me no when it came to certain items that I wanted. I did wear wear um uniforms to school because i went to private school like Mm, literally all the way through um but you know there was still stuff i wanted to get to make sure i had my little fly Mm -hmm. gear um but it was also really good quality time like that helped to foster the relationship we have now so that is one of my most memorable things doing year after year for sure yeah So let's get into our favorite segment of the show. It is time to run the list. So for our preclinical students, running the list or the patient list on the wards allows the team to address pressing matters of the day. And as always in this segment of the show, we'll be discussing some recent events in medicine that affect uh, the communities and populations we serve. So... Let us tackle our run the list. And, you know, I want to include real quick, a little trigger warning. Um, Mm -hmm. We're about to discuss a sensitive topic as it is National Suicide and National Recovery Month. So Mm -hmm. let's discuss. We got our resident, uh, as I always call him, our resident mental health person. And that's it. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that you do that. That It's so affirming. Thank you, Erica. You're Um, very welcome. But yes, it is National Suicide National Recovery Month, and um, each and every year, over 700,000 people pass away from suicide. And we talk about, in particular, over the last decade, when we talk about Black youth, ages 10 to 24, um, the percentages of uh, suicide attempts and uh, completed suicides have increased tremendously by 60 to 70%. In due part to a lot of different factors, but I think overall, when we talk about um, suicide prevention and awareness, um, being a voice of connectivity, socialization, being present and giving people grace. I always mention giving grace to people each and every day um, because life is so hard. Life is so challenging and it's filled with adversity. Um, There's several notable black celebrities that we can even think about uh, as it pertains to, uh, you know, suicidality. Um. Lance Blanks, who was a basketball player who turned an NBA executive. Um, DJ Twitch, who was so popularized on the mm. Ellen show and as well as during the pandemic. Um, we even talk about uh, Chesley Chris, um, who was a beauty pageant queen. Um, we talk about uh, the mayor of Hyattsville, Maryland, um, mm. Mayor Kevin Ward, and so many other individuals that um, unfortunately have been um, tragically affected. And the thing mm. is, there's a face that you present to the world and there's a face that you present to yourself. And you never know what people are going through. Mental illness mm-hmm. does not show up in the standard form, like being sad, depressed, angry, like 
everyone has different capabilities to adjust to different right. scenarios and experiences and traumas and coming to that realization and being able to comfortably communicate that in our in our society especially in the black community there's so much stigma behind mental health and it's up mm -hmm. to us especially on this podcast and um all our listeners to help these destigmatize that make mm -hmm. conversations comfortable for people in the rooms that when you enter into a patient's room whether you're in your psychiatry rotation or you're in, you know, your plastic surgery or in ob gyn right? I used to, you know, bring a chair up to all my patients and sit down with them and really assess <clears throat> how are they feeling mentally. And sometimes I'll be late to round just because of that, but mm -hmm. because I was really, really connected to that because your mental health affects your physical health. If you're feeling well, if you're not feeling well in your mind and in your spirit and your essence, then physically you're not going to be able to heal. You're not going to be able to have the conviction and confidence to move forward in life. And so knowing also that mental health affects all demographics, regardless of race, regardless of if you have money and you don't have money, like everybody's gonna be plagued with some challenges and being able to internalize and understand how those challenges affect us, how it affects our heart, our body, our mind, our thoughts, our behavior, is so critically important. I, I, I address this to say to each and every one of you that are listening, please take the time to take care of yourself, especially in medicine, Find what works best for you in terms of coping, whether it's taking a walk in the park. You know, a lot of people have low vitamin D levels in America. Over 80% of people in America have low vitamin D, which is shown to increase our immunity and also boost also our capabilities with our mood, right? Mm -hmm. Doing things like journaling, going out with friends. Find the things that make you normalize as a human being. And you don't necessarily have to be an automaton. You don't have to always be studying. You don't have to always be teaching. You could still be that human being that you always envisioned yourself to be and change the world as you see fit. So um, I'm grateful that, you know, we've had this platform to discuss this. I would like to hear you guys thoughts on um, suicide prevention and recovery. Bus. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that um, one of the biggest news is that just came out in terms of, you know, the theme of this month uh johannes kadane who was a young 22 year old man um he was found mm -hmm. dead you know in the san francisco uh, golden gate bridge and i think what was interesting about his death was that you know people weren't sure if it was a suicide at first because it was like he had just right. gotten his dream job you know at netflix had just moved he wasn't he was only at the job for maybe like about i think a week or two before it happened and you know, his car was parked there. They said his phone and wallet and other items were left in the vehicle. But people weren't sure, like, was it like they, was he murdered? And then it was framed as a suicide and all of these things. And so they, they ruled it a suicide. I'm not sure really by what parameters. I'm assuming an autopsy or whatever. Um, but I, I do think that it's interesting that even when, even when someone's at the peak of their life, right, it doesn't negate the fact that they could still be struggling. And so um, mm -hmm. I wonder, you know, just like, you guys' thoughts on like how you what kind of advice you would give to our listeners who could maybe be feeling like hey I'm, I'm at this peak of my career i'm in a really good place like how do you support them even when they're still feeling like you know i really don't see the point or those suicidal thoughts get a therapist honestly mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. prevention like start yep. with one right um so you don't end up in a place where you have no one to call, like have a therapist on speed dial. Mm -hmm. um, not only that, like have a safe space in mm -hmm. the form of a friend or a sibling or, you know, someone that you know you can call. I remember when I was at 
a point. I don't remember the app and I don't even know if it's still in existence, but there was Mm. an app that allowed you to like set a number of people that when you were quote unquote in crisis, Mm -hmm. you could reach out to like the app would just contact them and let them know. And I had my mom and another good friend of mine, because I just knew they knew where I was at and they would be there for me. So, um, but it it does take um, a little bit of, I don't want to say it's humbling the right word like sometimes we have this pride as as african americans and you know even caribbeans like mm-hmm. that goes along with the stigma of mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like oh i should be further along than this like i shouldn't feel right. this struggle and it's like right. now nah, humble yourself and realize you are human we are mm-hmm. not supernatural we're not human uh superhuman and mm-hmm. just be okay with not being okay. Like once you get there, it's like, all right, if I'm okay with not being okay, then I can let somebody that I trust know that. And you'd be surprised. Like so many people are there, especially nowadays and they get it. So it's like, Mm -hmm. find somebody to support you. Also 988, that suicide hotline number. Um, And I know it's easier said than done. Like who's going to, who's really going to talk to me and talk me off a ledge? You'd be surprised. It's that one second that right. means a matter, the difference in life or death, right? And right. it's literally that one second that can change everything. So um, I think I, I rambled a bit, but if I could like bullet it, it would be, you know, the number 988, have a trusted person, and then really proactively have a therapist like even if you think you don't need one just get one right you know 70 percent of um uh, uh, uh completed suicides individuals had a major crisis event 24 hours prior to that so speaking mm-hmm. to like what you're seeing erica like it could be that one event that triggers you but immediately as soon as you recognize that i'm going through a crisis that you reach out to someone, whether it's a support system, whether it's your therapist, whether it's other coping skills that you may do, meditate, et cetera, et cetera, yoga, et cetera, and the like, um, that can you know ultimately change a lot of those circumstances. But mm-hmm. being able to have that individual there, I think, is definitely uh, certainly key that so many people don't. In our society, we're oftentimes isolated. It is a society where we don't think about the collective culture, the collective mindset. We don't think about others, but rather think about ourselves. And that makes it such a challenge to communicate how you're feeling. Because it's like, oh, you're going to be all right. Especially in the black community, like, just push through, get through. Like, I remember in residency, people telling me all the time, but then I'm going through my men- mental angst. And it's like, that's not really necessarily supportive. Getting through to a certain extent, to when, to what point do I get through? To like mm-hmm. fall off the cliff, to, to like you know, bust through this door and I no longer want to come back. You know what I mean? So, you know, just being mindful. And um, I love that we're having these conversations and learning to appreciate um, the individuality of this. Um, and um, I hope that we continue to have these conversations so that no one ever feels alone. And I'm glad you mentioned the hotline. And obviously I, I'm one of those, like even at my job the other day, a, a black man told me that his father had died you know, recently. Mm. And he was staring in the mirror. He's one of the janitorial um, um, staffs and he's staring, um, staring into, um, into the window and out there, like he was just like in a kind of stance. And I, I asked him like, bro, are you okay? And he told me, nah. And he told me a situation. And I just hugged him. Like, I just went up to him and just hugged him. And this is a guy like that. I don't really know, but because I feel like those small gestures are so important and people have those critical needs that he may not have been hugged that week or that month. Mm-hmm. You feel me? Uh, so, 
Um, yes, learn to cherish each other in love. Love will prevail. It's easy to hate, but it's hard to love. But once you love, a lot of solutions and a lot of uh, conflict in this world will be appropriately navigated. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned like a very important part, which is, you know, um, having these difficult conversations, because that's the only way you can move through and really learn how to navigate situations like this. I mean, mm-hmm. another example of a difficult conversation is like the conversation of an unwanted or unexpected pregnancy, right? A lot of women mm-hmm. kind of, the you know, especially with the Roe versus way that's kind of coming up in politics and people trying to dismantle it and, you know, try and find a way out of that um, policy because of everybody's own convictions on the topic of say abortion, you know, um, Mm -hmm. being one of the most more, I think morally um, controversial issues when it comes to um, planning of pregnancy or pregnant or, you know, options that women have. Um, Of course, Mm -hmm. we know that adoption is an option. We know that, you know, birth control is meant to be preventative measures to before you even get to the topic of abortion versus adoption versus keeping the baby. So, um, and what they're kind of finding um, this year was that in Illinois specifically, there were about 18,300 more abortions in the first half of the year compared to hmm. 2020. And so, and as well as even in New Mexico, there was a whopping 220% jump in the number of abortions. So it seems like this is coming from um, the surrounding states of, you know, Illinois and New Mexico that maybe have abortions banned after they had that kind of um, overturning of the policy. And, you know, it kind of now leads to the question of like, what, what, how, like, how is this going to affect us at large, especially when it comes to just the status of abortion rights in all of the states? Like, what do you guys think that this is leading to? Well, it's already a public health issue. Like, Mm. I feel like, um, or I think it will continue to impact providers who provide abortion care. Mm. Um, I think providers will become more strained. Um, I mean, I don't know what recovery times are looking like in these areas. Like, is are are is there infrastructure in place to allow for them to recover? Um, I I don't know. It's Roe versus Wade being overturned was just, I don't know. I have so many feelings on mm. that, but it it makes me question, will all of these women be provided with the best care when all of these other states are being slammed? Like, is it possible for them to end up with something malpractice related because they're trying to get through X amount of abortions a day. Mm -hmm. I don't like hypothetically, like, I don't know. Um, Does this mean that other providers from other States need to now get licensed in other state, you know, the States that they're unable to perform these procedures, do they have to relocate in order Mm -hmm. to kind of help? I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's just so much layering complexities with this. Um, and even talk about like disparities to access, you know, with certain mm-hmm. groups of people um, having to go through those states, like get a car and have gas money to get over there and have, mm-hmm. you know, um, take a day off of work, right? Because you have to go to the clinic and et cetera, et cetera. So we know it, you know, affects, you know, most likely black women at a um, more devastating rate, um, not having accessibility to, to these options. 
And I think, like you mentioned, Erica, um, what is the provider access? Like, how, how does that also affect the providers that are in states with the bans as well um, that are supportive of abortion and women rights? Um, what can they do? Um, even thinking about um, leveraging their physicianhood and their knowledge and power uh, in terms of changing uh, the circumstances. And also, mm-hmm. I think uh, about this from the perspective of, um, you know, we, you know, it's 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 just tough because. On the federal level, there's certain things being done. And then on the, the state level, there are certain things done. And this, this concordance with our judicial system, like, how can mm-hmm. that be so, right? Even the, the same thing can be applied when we talk about marijuana and things of that nature. But it, it just shows how disparate and um, disconnected our society, our culture, our political state of affairs are, and how people um, are not respectful of women and their decisions and their rights and how you know change needs to be um, implemented as soon as possible. Um, this is a God-given right for women to make these decisions. And I think that is a travesty that now you have women that have to endanger themselves. And even when we talk about um, after having an abortion, you know, um, typically women need to rest and things like that, those kind of um, things. But now they have to go back to their state. They do they have to pay for a hotel. So we talk about all these financial implications that we may not necessarily think about or see. But it does cause such a disastrous thing for something that should be a choice for a woman to have. Agreed. Agreed. You said you wonder how, in terms of like the government, how this is happening. Well, we have governmental leaders who are above the age of the average U.S. adult. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's how and why um it's hot sis right well no it's true like it it kind of just it it came in hot on its own because it's a good question like you have these majority leaders who seem to just remain in office until Mm -hmm. death do they part um and yes we are talking right now about leaders like Mitch McConnell. Um, we're going to address the health scare and that he's been, or seizures or whatever he's been having on national TV. I'm sure you all have seen it. Um, so Senate M- minority leader, Mitch McConnell, he's a Republican out of Kentucky. He is 81 years old, y'all. Um, leader of the U.S. Senate Republican Caucus. Within the last couple of months, he's had two occasions where he's literally just frozen on camera during press interviews. Um, And Mitch McConnell now is not even the only U.S. senator whose health has been called into question. But let's pause here for a second, because did you guys (laughs) see it? Um, It was crazy to watch. Social media had a field day. They had the Mitch McConnell mute challenge, similar Mm -hmm. to the Beyonce on mute challenge Um, and not (laughs) even, I mean, we don't make fun of people when they have health issues. It's not that it's just, I think we're laughing to keep from crying at this point as a people, because you literally have our governmental leaders who physically on television cannot, they don't appear uh, able to do their job mm. um and and this funnels into other issues like abortion issues and abortion rights um mm-hmm. so we're not we're not making fun of this or making light of it by any means we're just kind of kind of baffled and befuddled at how again like i mentioned 
the average U.S. Uh, senator, it, the age is what, 65? Mm-hmm. And the median age for a U.S. representative is 57.9. Like, mm. our governmental leaders are aging. And yeah. I think we can have now a discussion on what. So, what are y'all thoughts on having l- lowered age limits for people in government? Should they be younger? Should I, they stay older? I mean, if the retiring age is, you know, typically 65, then I feel like the same should apply to the political arena. Um, same. You know, from the perspective, you know, individuals over 80 are increased risk for, you know, dementia. And, you know, things like mood disorders, uh, memory issues, which we're seeing <laughs> with our current president, obviously. And um, Mitch McConnell, I wouldn't even doubt that he has other severe impairments and physical issues. At 81, I mean, being a senator, I'm sure, is a stressful job in, in some aspects. At that age, you should be resting and letting the youth come in and mentoring mm-hmm. and giving them service so that they could service our communities and our nation in a productive and appropriate way. But I feel mm-hmm. like, again, ego is going to be the death of this country. Ego is the death of us all because they want to be in these positions of leadership and they want to, right, like override and over oversee um, all that they, I guess, have created and curated over the last decades and such that they're unable to relinquish that. And we see that in the medical hierarchy system where yeah. people are not capable physically and mentally to do it, but because they have that ego in place and it's like, this is mine, this is my baby and I'm not letting go of it. Sometimes, you know, enough is enough. Uh, we respect your service and what you've done. But at the same time, like, it's time to allow others to learn, to grow in that same position so that we can change so many of the dynamics that we're facing in this country. So mm-hmm. when I saw, uh, you know, I'm, I'm part of this group, uh, Young Black American Doctor, and, um, you know, they put the post up of him and they were trying to diagnose him. Like, we had focal seizures versus this and that. <laughs> And it's like, Mm -hmm. no, I mean, the realities are like, regardless, like we saw something that ultimately was baffling, like something Mm -hmm. that you would not anticipate or expect one of your leaders to. And I feel like, again, this is representative of the American culture where it's like, if you have health issues, don't work yourself out out, out of your position. Like just like take a break. It's okay to take a break. Like if you know that something is going on, it's okay to be able to say, I got to step back away from this. And I think that someone is more qualified or more capable at this point. And I feel like he hasn't done that. Um, Biden hasn't done that. Like it is, we have to come to a point where we, they have to respect themselves, but they also have to respect our country. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And by them continuing such a role, that's being very disrespectful. So I wish them well. I don't wish no ill will toward any human being on the surface. Maybe a couple of them. Um, but you know not not any of the individuals that we've mentioned here uh uh they're out the views but, of the snma podcast <laughs> are not the views <laughs> i mean listen the whole joking. mentioning ill will thing people people will do it though people will wish ill will towards you they was doing it to kiki palmer's boyfriend they was wishing him a lot of ill will when he you came out with that, that twitter book <laughs> <laughs> they you was really to... wishing him a lot of ill will like cool. like when he, when you they to... saw that he could not accept kiki for who she was and Bush. the platform in which she you know chose to be kiki palmer um he he got a lot he got dragged he, he very much got dragged but, but the funny thing is though. that the funny thing is that not everything is she as it back, seems. Though. Not everything is as it seems. And that is what left, I learned. Though. She we went back, though. And that's she what I'm trying left, to say. Though. It's all perspective, right? We assumed. We assumed that 
she had moved on and had i just want to say i'm pretty sure y'all assumed i knew shorty was right there with that man and i'll let y'all have that conversation she so there was never an official breakup right it was never like she said oh yeah i'm leaving darius or whatever or she came with the very like subtle i guess ways to be like i don't know if whatever he's saying makes any sense because she came up with the you a mom um t-shirt and merchandise she had a whole song with usher called um i think it was called boyfriend or whatever and you know it was a lot of shade being thrown around but in the end we never got the final stance on the status of her relationship so i do think that that is like something interesting um i don't know it it it, it ruffled a lot of feathers so well, they were seen take- they were seen together celebrating Kiki's birthday. Listen, I told I didn't <laughs> got that I don't know, after that. I don't know that. how vocal I was in that conversation. I do yes. not remember. Yes. But mm. I do know that I did not say that that girl was leaving that man. I knew right. this was a bag and I said I have a feeling this is just to get a bag. Right. Usher got a bag, Kiki got a bag. They were the cat's meow talk of every social media site all summer long. And yeah, they just, it was good PR. They gave y'all a show, honey. It was, it was great PR. You know, I'm going to take tips because yeah, she did what she had to do. Did. She she did. I mean, I'm proud of her. You know what I mean? I still stand on what I said in that episode though. What was that? What'd you say in the episode? Y'all could go back, you know, and watch it. (laughs) Whoever's listening. I don't need to, I don't need to repeat myself. Y'all trying to get me bashed, right? After uh, Tyler Perry, right? No, oh, we not doing Yeah, Y'all trying that's to get my, me canceled. That's not my y'all responsibility. Y'all trying, trying to get me canceled like his her boyfriend. Okay. If you get canceled, that'll be all on your own. It'll be all on your own. It won't be by the help of me or Erica. We're on your side. <laughs> that, you know, that's complete cap. But I'm, like, honestly, I'm glad that it worked out for them. You know, at the end of the day, you know, you got to do what's best for you. And. I I still believe in the full black household now, mother and father and a beautiful kid. Um, at least that that wasn't taken away, and I think that's the most important part is utilizing this in a in a space where they can grow from it and get that back. So, do you think, baby? I love, I love what you said. You believe in the full black household, and I'll tell you, one young lady who came from the full black household is out here actually winning, like legit, Miss mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. Coco. Golf won yes. her first Grand yep. Slam title at the U.S. Open with father and mother there cheering her on um, in the Good. stands. It was so, so beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, she actually, while she was playing one of those games, you know, there was some some issue with the, the is, it, is it a referee in, in tennis yeah. as well? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And the other person that was playing, it was just... She had to speak up for herself, essentially. And I'm so happy she did. Mm-hmm. Um, it was in a match against Shorty from Germany, Laura she Sigmund. Knew. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, I'm just I'm happy she spoke up because we have to advocate for ourselves across the board we and not cower. And even Miss Coco, she said, thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Uh, she said this after the match to those who thought they were putting water on my fire. You were really adding gas to it. Now I'm mm. really burning so bright now. And that's, Whoop. I love it. That's, that's what we want. We, we want you to feel 
like you were on fire because you, you definitely were, sis. We this we enjoy watching girl you. Is on fire. I know I did. <laughs> she did her this thing. Girl is on fire. Hundred <laughs> percent. But I love that. that quote, honestly, and I think it applies to anybody listening and even for ourselves. There's gonna be people that's gonna deter you, not believe in you, tell you not you're not capable. Always maintain that fire and passion within because What's meant for you is meant for you. And you got to continue along your trajectory and your path and be relentless with it. And I love that she was able to showcase that. You know, she's mm-hmm. the second um, youngest winner after uh, Serena, I believe, for the U.S. Open, right, at 19 mm-hmm. years old. So mm-hmm. she's done some incredible things. And uh, as a black woman, I think that there should be more coverage on her, along with Naomi Osaka, who does a lot of stuff, especially for mental wellness and illness as it pertains to athletes. But, of course, the media controls the narrative that's out there, right? If a black woman is not twerking, if she's not showing her boobs, if she's not showing sexualization of herself, then the media rarely tends to give coverage to them, right? Mm-hmm. But in this scenario, I love that she's receiving all the accolades, the celebrations, you know, the appreciation of what she's doing for the sport. And now there might be another Coco Golf uh, amongst the spectators or even somewhere around this country that's watching and saying, yo, I could do that, too. Like even at a young age and bypass all these bystanders who didn't believe in me, who say, oh, tennis is not a black sport or you're not going to make it through, et cetera, et cetera. And all those stereotypes. Uh, so um, I love it for her. You know what I mean? And I think that she's um, going to um, continue to shine light and forget the haters, you know, mm-hmm. um, keep doing your thing. Yeah, it's a two peat too, because Shikari. Richardson is out here killing the game as well. Um, she was kind of already in our mm-hmm. in our viewpoint um, like last year, I believe. But then, you know, there was the whole thing with her potentially taking, you know, um, outside. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I'm just going to try and be PG with it. Taking um, other substances that may or may not affect her performance. And, uh, you know, Drake put his little line in his song to be cute so yeah it, it got its little shine but she's back to show the world that she has moved on from that she's in her zone she was able to win first place um at the 100 meter in the 2023 mm-hmm. world championships in budapest beat out some of the best jamaican sprinters that we know um yeah so she is like killing the game right now and um i'm happy for her um it's good to see that women like Coco and Shikari can continue to put on for us black women change the narrative as you said all doing in terms of how we are viewed in mm-hmm. the media um yeah and um I, and I, I love I, she's I, just like Flo Jo um if you're not familiar who was a very popular um um runner in the 80s and uh, 90s who unfortunately passed away but oh, a similar sure. spirit who she represented who she wanted to represent. She got the long nails, the braids, like embracing herself and not being afraid. Cause I feel like we have to conform, like even in medicine, like there's a certain level of conformity that people expect for you. But I always say embrace who you are and naturally live in your element because that's gonna allow you to oversee and exacerbate who you are and what you wanna accomplish, right? And don't let other people tell you who you should be or why you should be, when you should be. Be originally that. So I love that for Shikari. The diaspora warriors are coming back. I still love that photo with her and uh, the rest of the Jamaican team, especially uh, Sharika Jackson, who also um, yesterday won uh, first place in the Diamond League as well. 
uh, for the 100 meters uh, out there. So shout out to her. But I love like, yo, we coming together. Like we remember like a couple months ago or I think it was like last year, two years ago, there was like Jamaicans versus Americans. Like, yo, we part of the same melanated, melanated culture, baby. Like we are 100%. part of the diaspora. Like we got like we are empowered by something special that they can't touch. And so the fact that she hugged her and they, you know, dapped up and um, they celebrated regardless of who was first, second and third. It's a win for them, but also even bigger for the culture and the community at large as well. Mm. But also another homie that we got to talk about is Francis Diafo Jr., who became the uh, first Sierra Leonean American and only the third man of African descent to be ranked in the top 10. It's crazy it's taking that long um, mm. for somebody in uh to be ranked top 10 um, in the uh, tennis world uh, behind Arthur Ashe and as well as uh, James Blake as well. So shout out to him um, doing his thing. I've seen him around. Um, I think he he spent time with a lot of celebrities like Drake and uh, Jalen Brown and things of that nature. So people are recognizing him. And um, again, we, you know, creating this narrative that um, we can conquer other sports. We can conquer tennis. 100%. I'm waiting. The next thing I'm waiting, waiting for is cricket and rugby. We're going we're gonna to take over. Oh, watch, okay, watch, cricket. Watch. <laughs> yeah, tennis is having a lot of shine right now. So that's really nice and heartwarming to see. Um, I also love the fact that there's athletes who are kind of going beyond like what it is that they're known for and doing mm -hmm. other things with their life that is like a new chapter. Like Naomi, like you mentioned earlier, talking about Naomi is also one of um, – tennis's leading ladies she also recently gave birth um to her adorable baby girl named shy uh about two months ago and this is like similar to when serena had given birth right and people had their own um i guess opinions on how would this change what she's known for as a tennis player and all of these things but i think it's good when like a woman kind of embraces the other aspects of their their dreams and goes after it even when it doesn't align with what they're known for um so i don't know like what do you guys feel like or how do you guys feel the tennis world and maybe just even us as people who watch naomi how do you think like they're going to react to the fact that she's now a mom if they are her fans they should be in full support i don't mm. i think we need to change the narrative of, you know, getting worn and tired as an athlete before you can actually start to enjoy the fruits of your labor, you know, mm. whether it's in in being a mom or starting a business, you know, if she wants to take time off, she, I'm sure, is aware what taking time off would do to her endurance and, you know, strength training. She's probably going to have to go extra hard is you know she's grown um yeah. and she should be offered the same support that someone would if they decided to go extremely hard like serena williams she went hard in the paint for a long time and i think if she could have a, a conversation with her younger self she'd probably say do it sooner you know because right. it puts a lot on your body to have or start a family at that age. And I think she even discussed at one point just how her pregnancy process was and delivery and right. was like, I think she became like a men um advocate for like maternal health in that experience. So, right. you know, like we should be happy that she's pursuing motherhood at the age where it's appropriate. If that's what she wants for her life. Mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. So hundred percent. Yeah. And you know, all of it, I'm sure, you know, the financial implications of motherhood 
For sure. Yeah, we and uh, Oh, good. It's about that time. You well, know, we I talk I about the financial implications oh, oh, of... I don't, I don't know financial implications of motherhood, because I've never been in a mother, and I don't think I'll probably ever be a mother, but... <laughs> I hope you'll be a, a a dad one day though. So maybe it'll be a bit similar, yeah. but not a hundred percent. But before we hit up the financial corner, um, I think that it's also important to understand that finances are critically important as it pertains to being elected in office. Um, mm. Recently I was um, uh, listening to a podcast with Stephen A and he uh, interviewed um, one of the governors of Maryland, uh, Westmore, who's mm. only the third black governor to have ever been elected in the history of the U.S. And we also find that in Mexico, they're about to elect their first woman president, um, which mm. is unprecedented. There's two women that are facing each other um, in, uh, from uh, different political parties. And I right. think what's important to understand is that if we are unable to diversify the political arena, then we are unable to change the circumstances of our environments and our communities. Because at the top, they are the ones that vote that create the legislative legislative uh, connectivity to our communities mm-hmm. and, um, you know, um, addressing disparities, uh, health and food insecurity, health disparities and the like. And it's a travesty that here we have so many competent individuals across America that uh, could be uh, political strongholds and uh, fire starters. But many of us don't enter into the political arena. Actually, I'm interested right. in one day. I might run for mayor. I might run for governor. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to clean up my IG and all that. But you got a couple of years. You feel me? Okay. But, all but, right. We'll be like, watching I out. Want, <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to actually add that in, in lieu of that. And when we talk about even, um, uh, when we talk about the political landscape, 70% of, of those who are actually in um, Congress or in Senate um, have uh, political ties to some form of slavery, right? They have mm. some ancestor that had actually owned slaves. So obviously that pre- presents an advantage for them uh, because they have a foundation and a legacy of of ruining Black people's lives, but also taking advantage of them and utilizing that as a financial uh, resource to build their platforms to get to their current descendants. But I want to ask you guys, what is the importance of and why is diversity important in politics? Um, it's a hundred percent important politics because politics definitely controls the landscape landscape in which we uh, live in. Um, I think it's super significant to bring up the fact that um, there's two um, Hispanic women right now running for president of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Hispanic Heritage Month. We do have to give you know recognition where recognition is due. Um, this is a podcast that is aimed to elevate both black and brown physicians and physicians in training and soon to be physicians. And so um, I definitely want to give them their credit. Um, I don't even think that that's something that's ever happened before in history. Um, And so I guess it also is kind of a foreshadowing of maybe what's to come even in America's political game soon. Are we going to be seeing two women candidates um, vying for the presidential seat? And Mm -hmm. so um, I do think it's just kind of important that we diversify politics in all Mm -hmm. facets, whether it's by race, gender, sexual identity, um, religious affiliation. Those are important because if I'm talking from a perspective of being an American, America is built on the fabric of diversity. And if we don't have that reflected in our politics, then it'll not it wouldn't be able to translate to the people in which we're serving. So mm. I think that's why diversity is important in politics. Not sure, Eric, if you have any. Mm. No, you kind of said, both of you said everything that I think of on this. We, 
it's America. It's a mm-hmm. melting pot. Why right. doesn't our governmental leadership reflect that across mm. the board? It just it doesn't make sense. So I'm in agreement with all of you. What you said, honestly. Sounds yeah. good. Well, thank you for sharing your thoughts. Um, now we can proceed with the show and create our ultimate ending to this episode with the financial <laughs> corner, which I've missed dearly. Ooh. It's been so long. Haven't That's y'all missed me. it? Like, I see some tears about to shed. <laughs> yeah. I know it, it's been a yeah. long time. It's been a long time coming. We're glad to have you back. Hey, I'm a, I'm a, yo, I'm a, I'm a drop a little, a little rhyme. You know what I'm saying to, to like give an intro to the financial corner, but just not this episode though. But, you know, <laughs> I was gonna say, okay. but I, was, <laughs> I was ready. I was waiting. <laughs> <laughs> we got the beat and all that. Now I'm at the studio. <laughs> say less. Say less. But today, you know what I want to talk about is, as you guys know, uh, on August 31st, um, student loans. Repayment has restarted, and in getting ready in regards to that, I wanted to particularly talk about important statistics with women bearing the brunt of the student debt crisis, and also one of Biden's new plans. So overall, Americans owe over one point seven trillion dollars in federal student loan debt, and women hold two thirds of that one point seven trillion dollars in debt. Mm. But it's also interesting to know that, but with women with bachelor's degrees, they earn only seventy cents for every one dollar that men earn. So obviously, student loan repayment can be a struggle for women in uh, many contexts. And by 2027, 40 percent of all jobs are expected to require a bachelor's or master's degree, mm. which is why, you know, oftentimes, you know, 74 percent of women students plan to continue their education, according to a recent uh, survey um, beyond the actual uh, bachelor's degree. Now, when we talk about the Biden's plan, unfortunately, you know, at the federal level, they did stop with the twenty thousand um, dollar repayment. Um, it was stop hold it. Um, and so many people were just gung ho for that. Um, and I was gung ho for that. Twenty thousand is better than nothing. <laughs> Although I remember our biggest advocate million, for was, student loan yeah, repayment. Okay, I mean, you carried us. I, I, yeah, man, I was right. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna need to hire you. I'm going to need to hire you to, you know, to fend for my own student loan repayment when the time comes. Because I know I'm going to win it because of you. I mean, you are the biggest advocate. That, yeah, I got you. I'm gonna pull up. I'm gonna pull up to. The, I'm gonna pull up to the actual White House so he can see my energy. Ooh, That's a fact. Okay, White House. <laughs> no violence. No violence. No violence. But so uh, Biden has started a new repayment plan. Um, it's called the Save Plan, which stands for the Saving on a Valuable Education Plan, which is an income-driven repayment program that calculates payment size based on income and family size. And it's going to be starting in July 2024. So what happens is if you're approved for this, your monthly payments will be slashed in half for your undergraduate loans. So it could fall anywhere from 10% to 5% of your disposable income. Um, mm-hmm. Which helps a lot because then you'll have more money to be that you can allocate to rent, to you know taking you know women or men on dates, whatever you may prefer, or being outside, whatever leisure activities you have. And also for those with both graduate and undergraduate loans, payments would be between five to ten percent of their income. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, interesting enough, um, I think like with this this actual repayment plan, I think is a great idea because it you know creates less of a burden on many individuals. Um, so far, uh, 4 million people have already signed up. So if you have not and you're interested in a repayment plan that I think is very reasonable for where we're at with our economics, with inflation, with um, the need for financial assistance and support, as many uh, people are still trying to you know, find jobs and uh, find some sense of stability, I think that this is a great place 
uh, to help you overcome those hurdles and be able to be in a position where you could save more money for other endeavors that you may have. Um, so I give this plan a B plus, B minus, um, Biden. I still need my money. I need my money. Yeah, I need a plan. <laughs> I, I'm still waiting. Do you see why I said you'd be advocating for me? Because you know you're a harsh critique. It's, he's it's not hard saying to... Uncle Joe this time. He <laughs> said it wasn't okay. He said, "Bye." We put the balls on him. You know what I mean? But overall, um, for those that are not aware, yes, your uh, if you have student loans, be ready to start repaying them. Uh, your loan servicer should be reaching out to you via email or calling and leaving voicemails in the next. Uh, several weeks so have fun with that because i'm going to have to figure out how to have fun <laughs> with mine's i'm a half a million dollar man baby so what y'all think though what y'all think about the those uh that uh that new repayment plan are y'all gonna join you know there was a tweet <laughs> that really resonated with me that i um that's that i saw regarding just this whole loan situation yeah. and Someone said, you know, um, will like, will there ever really be a need, um, you know, to start repaying back loans? And they said, well, no, because Jesus already paid the ultimate price. And you know what? I'm, I think I'm going to rock with that sentiment because the thing is, you can't, yes. you can't charge me if I'm dead. You can't yeah. listen, right? I could technically decide to pay this forever, and it'll never be fully paid off because you cannot, you can't, you can't you know, um, tap on me from the grave. I will not be coming back to, to finish paying <laughs> whatever it is that I do. So, you know, I see yeah. it as it's not an issue. It's not, you pay what you can pay at the pace in which you can pay. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when it's the end, it's the end. That's just how I, I view the matter, but I'm not sure Erica, if you share a similar sentiment or. I just feel like it's above me now. And um... <laughs> Standing on that. <laughs> That's all I got. Yeah, it's whatever. It's whatever, whatever. It's very much above me. It's very it's, much above me. You know, it's above me now. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> no, nah, that's a fact. Um, well, thank you guys for your contribution. And I look forward to hearing more about your loan uh, forgiveness and your, your loan journey as I mm-hmm. will share mine as well. So be Thank on the you lookout. for the financial corner. But, we we were, it was good. It was glad to have you back. We we missed it. So I'm sure our you. listeners are happy to to hear you again talk about all things finance related. Financial corner, corner, corner. Yes, yes. Now I'm definitely gonna drop a you know a rhyme next time. That's fine. Okay, like, wait, wait, I got you. Looking forward hey, to say it. Less. I'm I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know the vibes. That's our show. It was great. We had fun. We had laughs. We had good energy, good vibes, and we really appreciate y'all tuning in on this episode of The Lounge. And let us know your thoughts about the discussions we had today or ask us a question for a chance to be featured on the show by emailing us at podcast at snma.org. Be sure to follow the SNMA on all of our social media platforms to stay up to date on upcoming events. Have a good one. See you guys next episode. Deuces. I mean. <laughs> <laughs>